0: NotFest.com presents Talk to Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk to Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome into Talk To Me here on NotFest.com. The guest this week is the one, the only, the Atomic Clock himself, Gene Hoagland, on to talk about the upcoming Death to All tour and everything going on in his world. So, uh, as always, I'm Joshua Toomey, joined by the also the one and only Chris Aiken. Chris, how are we doing? Awesome, man. What's happening? Not a whole lot, man. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to Gene Hoagland and Gene sure. uh, de-
0: delivers on this episode. Tina's the man, dude, and what a drummer. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I was how many times can you give accolades to him? I just don't think you can anymore. It's just okay, he's the best. We get it. I, I
1: think every time that I've interviewed, I think this will be the sixth time he's on the show, sixth or seventh time he's on the show. I think he he him and Max Cavalier, I think, are fighting for who's going to be like the the most returned right. guest. But I think every time he talks about how he wants to play metal drums into his 70s and he's like 54 now he's gonna do it like oh yeah and Mm -hmm. the the, the, there was a a photo of him and Dave Lombardo at a testament show recently man and and he's lost so much weight he looks slim he called himself Gene Slimmons I thought that was hilarious (laughs) (laughs) nice well good on him how did he do it Did, did he say Uh, In the, I mean, in the interview, I mean, from what I can tell, I mean, his his lady, they like to make salads and things at home. So, uh, and then he uh talks about, you know, uh, uh, playing drums is very aerobic. So he does the plays drums for like three hours a day, eats salads,
0: and just slim and trim. Dude, as as fast as he plays, it's amazing he ever gained any weight. Because that that fucking guy is like fast, fast (laughs) feet. He's like running a marathon with every song. Oh, absolutely, man. So, yeah, always a
1: huge honor to have Gene Hoagland on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Speaking of a good friend of ours, I I wanted to bring this up. Um, Drew Fortier from The Lucid. Um, Yes. uh, You know, he has uh, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer and uh, has undergone an operation to remove his right testicle. So, uh, yeah, not a good time, man, but he's got they've got to go fund me up. Uh, to kind of help out with his medical bills and yep. uh, kind of get himself back on his feet. So I, I wanted to throw it out there, man. Too, to the talk to me listeners, Drew has been on the show before. Drew's a fantastic dude. Like we text Jesus. all the time. Uh, hung out with him at Rock and Pot in Nashville, and uh, just a solid, solid dude. And 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 he's in it for all the right reasons. So so make sure to check out Drew Fortier's uh GoFundMe over at uh you know gofundme.com slash and then it's uh testicular cancer relief for drew Fortier. i'll uh throw the link in the show notes for that but make sure All to right. throw throw a few bucks at him i'm gonna do that soon and uh and we gotta get drew uh you know drew, <laughs> drew's missing the
0: ball man we gotta do something for him you know i talked to him and asked him about that he said he, he's not gonna replace i asked him if he was gonna go with the fucking fake nut and he's like nope <laughs> he's gonna ride it solo so He's in good spirits, though. I don't know if you've talked to him since, but I've talked to him a few times and he's, uh, yeah, he's in good spirits. But man, how fucked is that? I mean, he was just, he was just home and was like, man, something ain't right. And bang. Yeah. Like within a month, he was having his balls cut off or one of them. Yeah. That's,
1: that's, that's got to be tough, man, just to, just to, to lose a nut out of nowhere. Yeah. I, I did, he did post that he was doing well and, uh, in, in my, my sense of humor and the way I react to things, I don't want to go in and be like, you know, thoughts and prayers and oh, right, man, right, we're thinking sure. about you like <laughs> in his posting that he's fine. I was like, all right, guys, we have to cancel the tribute episode that I had planned for him. <laughs> you know, and he, he laughed at that. So I, I, I can only attack things with,
0: with terrible humor and, uh, and, and not very emotional. sure dude. the funniest thing he um i texted him like the day that they announced that he had he had the cancer and i just hit him up with the hey man are you all right if you need something you know even if it's just somebody to yell at just hit me up right and i jokingly said i said well this sounds like another reason to get to get ellison on blabbermouth right and (laughs) And he was like, oh no, this won't make blabbermouth. I'm not famous enough for that. Sure shit. It was on
1: blabbermouth. Oh yeah. It's on blabbermouth. Uh the the lucid um uh you know raising yeah. testicular cancer awareness. I mean, th- this has, you know, blabbermouth and Dave Ellison written all over oh, it. Oh yeah, you know?
0: yeah. Unfortunately the a new round of jokes for Ellison, but <laughs> but Yeah, you know. it definitely would be that yeah but whatever I mean, I'm sure if 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 they raise plenty of money for Drew and Dave has to take a couple of jokes,'m sure one he's weathered to it at this point. and two, I'm sure he'd be happy to see his buddy get you know, a good turnout. So hopefully people donate i I went and donated. I was like number two in the donation list.
1: oh nice i did, nice. I didn't see your name there as to, but I'll have to go back and make sure I'm you there. did it. I did with a nice
0: fat 20 dollars bill.
1: There we go, man. Yeah, if everybody out there, man, everybody out there donates 10 bucks, we'll we'll fucking get him on his feet again. Hell and yeah. uh you know, he's a little lighter these days, so.
0: Yeah. In the <laughs> wrong place.
1: All right, so from uh 1 Megadeth era band members band to Metallica, one of our one of our mutually favorite bands. Sure. This list was made especially for you. Okay. Um, Over on Louder Sound, which is Metal Hammer's uh, website, um, 10 Reasons Metallica are now officially the nicest band in metal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, agree.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I saw this headline and I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you, metal gods, for giving me this right before we record.
0: Right on. I didn't see this, so.
1: All right, so uh, number they don't really have these numbered, so I'm assuming the bold type is their uh, 10 reasons. Um, okay. Their continuous support of younger
0: artists. Uh, stop it. All right, <laughs> this article's already going bad quickly. Younger <laughs> artists, what, that don't play metal? Uh, James
1: Hetfield, instrumental in helping make Ghost, the biggest band on the planet, vocal supporter of uh, clever CleverTac. I remember them, you know, talking about them and stuff. Yeah. And then over the years, they've uh, had everyone from Godsmack to the Dotsons to Greta Van Fleet to Ice Nine Kills
0: on tour with them, and Cage the Elephant, and yes. all kinds of pop bands, <laughs> and Days of the New. <laughs> yeah, I saw that tour. Ooh, that Me was too. not good. That was when well, that was the worst tour ever. Oh, and I'm sorry. I... I
1: saw I saw Candlebox, not Days of the
0: New. No, I saw Days of the New, and they. They the worst part of it. They were like they played nothing but black album stuff for like the first two thirds of the show, and Headfield then comes in front of stage, is like, "You guys want some old shit?" And everybody's going (laughs) crazy. And he's like, "You really want some old shit?" (laughs) Yeah. They bring out stools and they play. They play a four song acoustic medley. Oh, I was ready to just kill somebody at that point. I was like, I don't want to hear "Fight Fire with Fire" acoustic, just terrible. And then they went right back to, you know. And nothing else matters or something. <laughs> Number two, setting up the
1: all within my hands foundation. Uh, one of the most significant charity in- initiatives ever created by a rock band. The all within my hands foundation has raised millions for great causes to date. It is responsible for opening 23 schools across the United States, dedicated to, to career progression and initiatives donating a portion of every recent U.S. tour ticket sold to local food banks and supporting major humanitarian drives in more than
0: 80 countries around the world. I heard that the can that they collect the money in, when the money goes in it, it clangs real hard. Sounds real bad, but I I can't really shit on that. That's a good cause. No, that is good one. It's a good cause off off of a bad song on a bad album, but good cause. Uh, that
1: time that James Hetfield personally rang the Metallica fan who gave birth at their show. Now, uh, did you see this, that the a lady uh, and the show in Brazil back in May uh, went into labor during the show. Um, the, the kid was born at the concert and then uh, James Hetfield called them and personally congratulated them. Uh, and they, obviously they made a video of it and posted
0: it up, but uh, yeah, it was pretty sweet. Pretty sweet That's of pretty James. Cool. Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. If if you got a call dude, so even in that circumstance and said, "Hey, it's James Headfield," would would your first reaction be like, "Oh bullshit, who is <laughs> <Right>? this?" <laughs> it,
1: it would be like every every time anybody that's not famous gets a call from a famous person, yeah. they always say like, "Oh man, I thought it was my buddies playing a trick on me." <laughs> yeah. I hung up on James Headfield three <laughs> times before <laughs> I finally realized it was him. Right. <laughs> Uh, when they donated half a million dollars to support Ukrainian refugees. I can't argue that either. That's, That's a good a, one. That's a good, good move. Um, they put on special show shows for their most dedicated fans, such as SMN sm two or uh, the San Francisco 500 cap independent. They played Chicago's Metro London's house of vans and New York's Webster hall, small, vil-
0: small buildings, They've rocked up to in recent years. Yeah. A long time ago now on, I guess it would have been reload, but they played the in here, which only holds like 700 people. Oh yeah. And that yeah, was like I, a reload. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know? Yeah. We, I saw, I, I saw the very last song when they played, uh, I think they played the ba- or Grimies or the basement. One of the two in oh, Nashville yeah. uh, the day before they did Bonnaroo. And okay. uh, I got down there and I saw seek and destroy. Uh, where I was standing, I didn't get in. I could see through like a window. And right. then where they had to come out of the building, they basically came out right by, by me. And the only thing I could think to do is like high five James as he walked by. I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's nice. James Hetfield. High five. <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, keeping us entertained through lockdown with Metallica Mondays. Did you? Were you looking forward to every Metallica Monday?
0: I'm not going to lie. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I I kind of watched a lot of those. I, I probably watched at least 30 of those. I, I will give them credit there because there was nothing else. And and I don't know about you, but I burned through everything I could stand on YouTube in like the first six months. (laughs) And it was nice to have those concerts of, and some of them were like really classic, like 84, 85 era, you know, which who knew that they would even have video of this stuff, but yeah, I I actually did enjoy Metallica Mondays on um during the pandemic. That was a good deal. Funny you say that. It
1: says, uh, let's be honest, those lockdowns were a fucking nightmare for pretty much everyone. Most of us had already watched our reruns of The Wire, The Sopranos, and Breaking Bad by the end <laughs> of week two. <laughs> yep. I think you and this uh the uh, the article writer, I think you guys yeah. have
0: more in common. Maybe I wrote it, Ghostwriter. I mean, maybe you did. Oh
1: man. <laughs> uh the mission to Lars movie. I, I don't think I've ever heard of this. Uh, 2012 documentary mission to Lars journalist, Kate Spicer attempts to get her brother, Tom who has fragile X syndrome, whatever that is uh, to get a show to see Metallica, his favorite band. Tom's condition means he has different cognitive and social abilities to others and requires regular care, making concerts and travel and organization around them, a potentially stressful situation. Thankfully, not only does Kate manage to get Tom to a Metallica show, uh, but Lars Ulrich himself even arrives on the scene to greet and spend time with Tom personally. Ulrich would also personally introduce the film at its premiere at Metallica's Orion Festival that year.
0: Wow. What a good guy. That's pretty nice.
1: (laughs) And then uh, the last one on here is obviously the Hetfield Group Hug. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) at the show that you and I talked about recently where, uh, where Hetfield said he was feeling getting too old to play well anymore. Visibly choked up. Papa Het was immediately swarmed by his bandmates showing a powerful moment of solidarity that felt a world away from the combustible chaos of the band that defined
0: the pre Saint Anger era. Yeah. Well, dude, the nicest thing they do is just their presentation on, on stage now. You know, I mean, we've joked about it a million times, but there's there is some truth to the whole, hey friends, whatever, you know, what's going on, buddies, what's up pals? <laughs> hey, how's everybody doing tonight? Yeah. Everybody having fun? Is the Metallica family having fun tonight? <laughs> you know, they I I think they believe that stuff. I you know, it, at their core, I mean, they're obviously the biggest band in the entire metal world anyway, but I still think they're they're kind of, you know, like the same the same oh, yeah. as they were they're just, just got rid of a lot of the boozing and the drugging but you know they're still kind of the same guys i mean if you look at those real early cliff all videos and stuff they were just kind of pranksters that were like hanging out and trying to make it and now they've made it but they're still just kind of hanging out with people they're as much as they can you know
1: oh yeah yeah i mean i i i've always kind of felt that they were like when i'm growing up you know i was you know 12 when black elm came out and mm-hmm. to me like they were the pinnacle rock and metal band for me and then you would see like guns and roses they were like a hard rock and party partying rock band that was the chicks sure. and everything because i mean if you go back and really watch those metallica videos you really don't see a lot of girls around you know you, you do like late you know later on they'll talk about how much how you know how they had 10 girls in the showers after concerts and things like that. But they didn't, they didn't show that side of themselves like a, like a Motley Crue Bon Jovi and all those guys would. And Mm -hmm. so to me, they were just a, you know, a wholesome, good
0: old rock band. (laughs) Dude, they were, I've said this many times on the CMS, but Metallica in that time was an event. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't go to a Metallica show. Nobody just went to a Metallica show. If you had Metallica tickets, you were planning on it for the week going into it. You took the day off before and after, you know, so that you could drink your face off right up until showtime (laughs) and then recover the next day. And it was a, I mean, you had to go crazy. You had to be intense and that's that to me, that's the biggest thing that's missing now from Metallica is that intensity. But it's hard to argue when you, when you put a list up of that stuff that they've done since they let the, inten- the intensity <laughs> Yeah, you know, They've done you, a lot of good were, things.
1: I was waiting for you to shit all over this list, and you're like, oh, that was actually really nice too.
0: <laughs> well, I, mean, it, I mean, dude, it, it, but if you look at that list careful, you'll notice damn near everything on it is in the last 10 years.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and that and That's the one thing that I always hate when you see – Oh, Metallica raised a million dollars in charity by doing these shows. And people are like, why don't they just cut the check themselves and stop asking for yeah. donations? And I'm
0: like, dude, that's not how charity works. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and who's to say they're not. Yeah. That's the other thing too. Who's to say that they're not raising half a million dollars and matching. Right. I mean, just cause they're donating a million, they're saying that they raised a million dollars there. The number is probably more like, well, we raised 540,000 and we bumped it up to a million right you know that's probably how it plays but they're they're not the kind that would be like saying that you know that would say yeah we bumped it up you know they'll just say yeah we raised two million for a great cause or whatever so all right i got one more story before we jump into gene hoagland um what what are your thoughts on beavis and butthead i've always kind of curious of that funny but i'm not like Overwhelmed with them. I enjoyed the part that they've cut out of all the videos, which was them re, you know, ranking on the videos. Yeah, you know, and they've cut all that out. So actually, watching the story of of you know, like the storylines of it, yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's funny, but it's I I was never like I'm not a cartoon guy anyway. Right. I I generally don't like any cartoons, and Beavis and Butthead was falls right in that category. They're they're funny. I get it. It was certainly funny that Mike Judge found a way to absolutely murder some of those <laughs> awful <laughs> hairbands in the in the 80s, you know, but um they're okay. Yeah, they are what they are. They they
1: hit like that super sweet spot of my age group because okay. I was in seventh grade when that came out, you know. Okay. So so I'm what I'm 12. You know? right. And frog baseball is on liquid television. And then they got their own spinoff series. And like, it, it was like the, the perfect time, obviously a teenage boy watching that stuff. And sure. that's, you know, that was my friends anyway, at the time, like all the, all the, you know, the laughing and things like that. And then I think, right at how was it like maybe senior year of high school was beavis and butthead do america i mean i just i just absolutely like i can still go back and watch those shows and just think they're absolutely hilarious i love cartoons too so that that's the thing for me but um i'm super pumped that uh that they've announced beavis and butthead do the universe i've watched the, the trailer a couple of times june 23rd via paramount paramount plus which means i'm gonna have to get another subscription service I might have a
0: hookup for (laughs) it
1: because Paramount plus is the one that we don't have. Um, But yeah, man, I'm, I'm super excited to see this and uh, you know, it looks, looks the same jokes, you know, seem to be the same. So, you know, I've been, I I knew that they were working on something, but man, I'm, I'm excited to see that it's a
0: uh, full on movie. And isn't this the first of many things? Didn't I see that there's like a series that's coming out right behind it? And then some other something behind that. There's like three things oh, wow. that are all coming. I, I know for a fact there's a series coming too that's also going to be on Paramount Plus. So, um, yeah, uh, about time. What's his name? Mike Judge makes his money. You know, he didn't make any money the first run. He might as well make all he can between oh, King yeah. of the Hill and this run. Yeah, he's de- yeah.
1: From what I, he always says, he never made any money off of Beef and Butthead, but made all of his money off King of the Hill.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which is, a, a Travis, not the King of the Hill wasn't pretty funny. I, I will say I did enjoy some King of the Hill, but, you know, yeah, I, I watched the trailer. I, I, I'm not a hater. I right. did watch the trailer, and I, I thought it was pretty funny, and the, the alien Beavis and Butthead meeting the regular Beavis and Butthead was pretty funny looking, so I'm sure it'll be a good, it, it's kind of, for me, it's kind of like jackass. Oh, yeah. I'm not really a fan, but at the same time. When I saw that it popped up on Paramount Plus, I I watched it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right, guys, uh, let's let's dive into my interview with Gene Hoagland. And then Chris and I will be back and we'll be debuting a segment that I did with Gene. And then uh, uh, Chris and I will be doing our own thing where we take a a band of the decades. We're going to have one member from the 70s, one member from the 80s, 90s and one member from the 2000s to create our super group of the decades so uh, Chris and I have ours written down and to hear our uh, list you'll have to stick around till after Gene Hoagland so uh Chris give me a uh, song that Gene Hoagland has played on that you want to hear a snippet of before the interview
0: um anything by Fear Factory that he played on how's that I think he was only on the one record but
1: yeah okay <laughs> I'll narrow it down <laughs> there we go we got some some Fear Factory with, uh, with uh, featuring Gene Hoagland on George. Welcome, the wonderful, the amazing Gene Hoagland back to talk to me here on notfest.com. Gene, how are we today?
2: Greetings, everybody. Greetings, Josh. Great to see you. I'm doing great. I just finished my Twitch stream about 10 minutes ago, so uh, that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, man, I finished this stream. This is going to be my last stream for, my last drumming stream for, for a little bit. You know, I'll be able to do some backstage streams from this upcoming run that we're doing, but I finished my stream with, deliverance by Opeth in its entire nice. what a great way to end <laughs> a big fat kick ass stream man
1: nice. how are you enjoying uh twitch man just being able to to kind of interact with your fans and and read comments and things like that
2: it has been super duper fun man we've uh our uh my stream has evolved into we call ourselves the atomic cult and uh we have a very small but dedicated uh you know pile of folks and everybody's awesome, man. Everybody's an absolute sweet baby. And I just, I really like being able to, you know, get kind of one-on-one with a whole lot of folks. And that's, that's always been super fun. And, um, uh, I, I started streaming when the pandemic hit because I had to figure out a way to, uh, to keep my chops up somehow. And by forcing myself down to the studio all the time and actually, you know, flipping on cameras and making that go, that's, that's one way that I was able to keep my chops up. You know, if I'm forced to do it because there's people watching, okay, I could do that. You know,
1: the one thing that I like about the stream is, is, is you'll, you'll play songs that you're not familiar with.
2: Well, that is one thing. Yeah, man, absolutely. You know, I, I take a lot of requests on the stream and um, many, many times they are songs I've, I've never heard before. You know, I I'm learning them as I go and I figure that's, That's got to be a help for the old brain as well you know like get your get your mental chops together and see how sharp you can be learning a song you've never heard before from a band you've never heard heard before and everyone every once in a while somebody will slip in a just a pile of brutality you know (laughs) that i'm just like oh my god lord almighty why did i say yes to this one you know but it happens but it's it's been a great experience just to Keep your mental chops up as well, you know. So over the past month or so, I have been um, not taking as many requests, but I've been dedicating a lot of my streams to uh, rehearsals for for death material for this uh, death to all run that we're starting next week. And uh, that's been awesome, getting my chops together for that one, for for this run. And boy, my chops are on fire. I'm playing better than I ever have. So. God dang, man, it's going to be terrifying. So
1: there you go. Talk a little bit about Death to All. What uh, Are you doing the entire Death catalog or just your records that you did?
2: No, we do the entire Death catalog. We do songs from every single record. And, uh, you know, we as of as of this moment, we have about a 21-song set put together. And, you know, we'll see if all those songs make it. But, I mean, we won't, if we chop anything out, it won't be any more than, like, Two songs, three songs, you know, so we're going to be playing songs from every record, um, you know, hopefully in their entirety kind of thing. You know, uh, we we have done runs where we've kind of made a, a little mashup of a couple of songs, a little medley of them. But I'm all for playing all the songs all the way through. You know, it's been a while since we've played together and we all enjoy playing together. That's that's the thing about it. We love playing death music with each other. It's it's myself, Mr. Steve DiGiorgio, Mr. Bobby Coble. And our vocalist is young Mr. Max Phelps. And we have a great time doing it. And, you know, we really try to honor the songs. You know, we try to honor the the spirit of Chuck. The whole night is a tribute to the legacy of, of Mr. Chuck Schuldiner and his music. And we're in a very fortunate position that we do get to go out and, you know, pay homage to Chuck's legacy, you know, through music and you know, since we we started this about ten years ago, and it, it it never fails, man. There are some old, hardened, grizzled dudes in the front <laughs> row with tears I'm coming down there, working. you know, screaming down their face, okay. and they're like, "Thank you for doing this," you know. And and a lot of a lot of folks that never got to see death. This is their their best shot at seeing the songs pretty well represented by guys from from the band, you know, played on these records ourselves kind of thing. So, uh, so that is pretty darn cool. And Max Phelps, he does a, he does a great job of, um, you know, representing Chuck's parts and, you know, the spirit of Chuck really, really well. So we're, we're very proud of this and and we're really, really happy to be able to bring it on this very limited run of Europe. But, uh, you know, hopefully there'll be more in the future. But, uh, you know, it's scheduling more than anything, you I know my 2023 is already crazy. So, uh, you know, and Steve, of course, you know, he's got Testament going. And, and they, they, I'm sure they plan to be busy through, through 2023 as well. So uh, if there's any ever, ever any open moments, we hope to jab in some DTA there. So that'll be cool.
1: Nice. So you kind of brought up Testament there. Going to talk a little bit about that. Man, what was the uh the kind of the antithesis of leaving Testament over, after 10 years?
2: Um well, it was it was really just scheduling. That that was that was merely I mean it was a very amicable split and nobody wanted it to happen, but I know Testament had, you know, they've they've got to keep going and um you know, I I during the pandemic, I I took time to start curating a lot of a lot of my projects a lot of the things going on so uh when i was laying things down on the calendar they were just starting to kind of conflict with some of testament's plans and it's understandable you know and and so when it came down to like man we you know we all have to do something here i was and you know it, it all came together pretty pretty easy pretty quickly for testament you know when i was like guys i don't know if i can make all what you need. And I know you guys need somebody, you know, they're slamming for you guys the whole round and, you know, bringing in a guy for a few days here and there while I take off and do some one-off kind of things. Or while I have, you know, I've, I've had albums, you know, album projects planned for coming up in summer for 22 planned in, you know, 2021 kind of thing. So, um, It just became a a situation where it's like, man, you guys need to keep moving forward. I need to keep moving forward myself. So let's, you know, you never know about the future, but at least for right now, you know, like, we'll get you guys somebody awesome. And look who they ended up with, the mighty (laughs) Mr. Dave Lombardo. I mean, win-win all over the place. Testament fans are super happy, and I I didn't know it was going down. I knew, uh, you know, a couple of months beforehand, and people were, were asking do you know who the new guy is? Like, oh my God! I'm like, let me tell you this: you know, Testament fans, heavy metal fans, drumming fans are all going to be super happy when they find out who who the man is. And sure enough, it all worked out fantastically for 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 all of us. So hooray! Everybody gets to move forward, and everybody's happy. So it's a win win all over the place.
1: It was very cool of you to to show up at the show recently and then hang out with everybody with, you know, get the picture with Dave Lombardo and things like that.
2: Absolutely. You know, I mean, Dave and I have been pals since we were both teenagers, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, we did our first, very first tour together. You know, I was 16. He was 18, something like that. I've known Dave since I was 15 and he was like probably 18, you know, something like that. So we've, we've known each other forever. Um, their, their very first, you know, West Coast tour, I was their light guy for, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So we go back a long way, and, you know, I mean, I got, hell oh man, I got to make a little, you know, vocal tr- cont- contribution to Show No Mercy. Hey, man, I was on the second thrash metal album ever. How awesome is that? You know, so Dave and I have been pals for, for a long time, and I'm so happy that that, you know, he's the man for the job. Uh, it was a natural choice, you know, it, it was, it worked out great. So, uh, I was really stoked to go, go down there and, and be a part of their, you know, be a part of that night. You know, it was, it was great. We had a great time. We're all still friends. It's, it's, it's a big family totally. So it's all, it's all worked out, you know, pretty, pretty darn smooth. So that's pretty nice. cool.
0: Nice. Um,
1: one thing I wanted to ask you about COVID was, Well, talking about COVID, you know, with you being kind of a session guy, hired, gun guy, you know, was it tough on you to to sit at home and maybe not be as prolific, you know, out touring and things like that? Did you do studio stuff and how did you take care of that?
2: I did a number of studio things. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I got involved in a project that will be announced in 2023, I believe the album is coming out, and that project is going to be massive. It is so effing cool. One of the coolest albums I've ever been a part of, and I've talked a little bit about it. Uh, I've talked a little bit about it on my stream, but um, I've been uh, keeping pretty pretty tight lip. I got two projects actually happening. Both are going to be gigantic. So uh, that that's pretty cool. But um, one is. An extremely, extremely all-star project with tons of extremely talented, very popular musicians. And that is some of the best music I've ever played on. Absolutely. And uh, so that's going to be something that I took care of those drums in very late 2020. And that was one of those kind of COVID sessions, you know. Everybody with the masks and... Nobody got too close to each other. It was a very closed session, you know, just the bare minimums of of everybody involved kind of thing. And uh, so that was that one. And uh, I'm really excited about that one. I did 23 songs in four days and they are massive, massive songs. I can't wait for the announcement for that one. And when people hear it, it's going to blow people's minds. Absolutely. And then right directly after this death to all run that we're doing. Uh, I get right back in the studio and I, I knock out another gigantic project. That's going to be due in 2023. And so that's going to be pretty amazing, but yeah, man, I, I, that is one thing that I did, man. It was like during the COVID I was like, well, gosh, um, you know, I'm not really, I did, I did a number of sessions, but you never know about session work, you know, you're not, you, I, I, I knew that I had to keep my chops up. Cause remember when COVID first hit, it was like, oh, we're going to lock everything down for two weeks. Right. And you know, we had a tour that we were Testament was, we were going out on in two weeks kind of thing. So it was like that tour is going to be rescheduled. Everybody, hopefully we'll get to do it by in six months kind of thing. So we were all kind of thinking at first, okay, well, it's going to be a six-month lockdown, just got to do a little something. And then, you know, as things just kept advancing and advancing, you know, it just, it it became a situation to where what we knew before, we now don't know. But one thing I am is I'm a effing heavy metal cockroach, you know. I'll <laughs> figure out a way to survive. I'll figure out a way to adapt and flow with I can zig when you got a zag kind of thing. And I've been doing a great job at that. So, um, you know, I did, I did, I did recall seeing a meme where it was like, it was saying, uh, you know, that, that look you get when you realize that uh, your COVID lifestyle is not all that much different than your regular (laughs) lifestyle. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm kind of hermitized when I'm at home. I don't go out a lot. I don't do much. Not a big partier anymore. I keep everything pretty focused on biz and playing and, and being a musician. So, you know, the ancillary things that happen, I they don't really happen for me. So it, was, it wasn't all that much different. You know, it was just there wasn't a solid schedule to stick to anymore um, in terms of touring. So that's why I actually became busier than I've ever been. I've played more drums in the last two years than I've ever played in any kind of off time or even, even when I'm on tour. When I'm on tour, I play for 90 minutes a night, sometimes an hour 45 or two hours. When I do my streams, I'll play, you know, three hours of drums and talk for an hour as well, you know. And so that's one thing that has it. I've upped my busyness kind of thing you know so i'm I'm busier than ever i got i got a crazier schedule now than i ever do but i'm just a touring guy so that's been pretty pretty nuts
1: the um yeah i think the last time that we actually podcasted was about a month before the shutdown i was i was in san francisco around valentine's day of 2020 you were in europe i woke up at 5 a.m to do the interview
2: (laughs) i remember that yeah we did that from like uh i but well, that was from Hamburg, Germany. I remember that.
1: And I'm assuming yeah, that's man. probably around the time where everyone in that tour got COVID, and that was that that was some scary stuff, man.
2: Everybody but me. You know <laughs> i I didn't get it because it turns out I already had it. I think I'm I, I could be patient number one in terms of COVID because I I brought COVID back from a, a visit to China in very very late in December of. 2019, I got back and I never get sick. I, mm-hmm. I never get sick. I get the flu once every 10 years and those are the years that just coincidentally end on the 7th. 1977, 87, 97, 2007. This last 2017, I'm so healthy now that I knew I wasn't going to get the flu, but when I came back, we Testament had some shows in Nepal and spent some time in China on the way there and on the way back um, about an hour flight from Wuhan. And, um, when I got back, I got my entire family sick. And, uh, it was, you know, I was just thinking, wow, I must've caught a bug from visiting a section of the planet that I've not visited before. You know, that, that happens, you know, I'm, I'm my, my tolerance is pretty high, you know, like I go back to Europe, man, I've, I've, my germ tolerance is, is pretty good. <laughs> Visiting a new area of the world that I've never been to before. I thought I brought something back home and there was no COVID. There was no realization of what might be happening. As soon as all the tests were available, we all got the antibody test. And yeah, man, we had, we all had antibodies to it. And, um, and my, my sickness led to directly to something very, you know, uh, tragic happening in my extended family. And when an autopsy was performed on, on a family member that ended up indirectly getting it from myself, uh, this was in January of 2020. And they were like, this person has passed away from some crazy lung illness that we've never seen before. What in the hell is this? And as soon as the testings became available and we got tested, we pretty much traced it all back to my my bringing it back home from, wow. from China. Wow. And uh, that's why I, I didn't get it, man. Everybody else got it. It was national news that, you know, this entire tour essentially contracted COVID. These guys are the first guys to get it. And yeah, uh, I was already immune kind of thing. So there you go, man.
1: Yeah, I'm very similar to you with the whole flu thing where I'll get it every once in a while, but I'm not, I'm not a sick person. And when I got COVID, that was the w- worst I've ever felt for 24 hours. And then I lost my sense of taste. And then a couple of days later, I was fine.
2: I i hear you. Yeah, man. I lost my sense of taste for some time and I, i but I didn't lose my sense of smell as bad as the sense of taste, you yeah, know, but, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's all the signs were pointing to it, you know, <laughs> before testings were, 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 becoming available. And then, yeah, it was like, uh, man, it's like you read a list of symptoms and you've never had these symptoms before in your life, but yet you have all these symptoms now. And sure enough, man. So, uh, I'm pretty fortunate that I was able to kind of slide right on, right on through and, and, and now i'm i'm ready to take on the world let me tell you
1: well going back to that uh that photo with you and dave lombardo man it just shows how much weight you've lost and i know that's something we always kind of talk about where you are in your health and things like that so so where are you right now i mean you've, you this is the slimmest i think i've ever
2: seen you so, so you you're killing it absolutely man i'm Gene slimmerer's now man <laughs> totally um i've uh, it, it's I guess that was just something that was another thing that when all these lockdowns, all the lockdowns hit, it's like, well, dude, you play drums, man. And and this is the cardio of all cardio. So just focus on that. You know, Um, I always, you know, historically I put on, you know, I put on a little bit of weight on tour it's, you know, eating the after-show pizza, cheeseburgers, you know, after-show meals kind of thing that that kind of does it for you. Um, I am not a fan of salads, except for the ones that, you know, my wife, Laura, Christine, and I make. I don't like salads, man. I don't like eating them. But uh, I love our salads. So I'm like, well, shoot, man, if, if we're just going to have a crap load of salads in front of us now. And I've got, you know, my drums sitting right over there that I can play on the daily basis, then take this time to get yourself really in shape. So I lost forty pounds after the pandemic. Um I remember I got back from Europe. I was about 268, which was about seven pounds heavier than I was when I left. And two sixty one was about the lowest I had been for some time, right before I went on that run. And then I lost forty five of those pounds. You know, I put on about seven pounds since then, but uh um yeah, man, it's just playing drums for three hours, three hours, four times a week, and especially when you concentrate on the on the heavier side, the more aerobic side, side of drumming, then I've got a beautiful workout in front of me, man, hitting the gyms until they shut down, and now our gyms are open again, so I'm trying to hit the gym as much as I can, and so it's it's just health and It is one thing, you know, I've been professing for years that, that, you know, I intend to be doing what I do, what I've done for the last 40 something years. I intend to be doing it deep, deep into my seventies. No problem. Like, not like, and I've, I've said this before, not where it's like, oh, that's adorable. He's 75 years old and he's still playing drums. No, I mean like bringing it like, like. Being psychotic at age 75. It could be done. I mean, shoot, man. I feel I'm 54 now and I'm playing better than I was half my age ago. You know, I'm playing better than I was when I was 27. I weigh a lot less than I did when I was 27. So, uh, you know, I I figure I am in training for my 70s right now. And I figure that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the slimmest I will ever be when I'm in my 70s. I'll probably be another 20 something pounds down, but I'll be like cut, you know, I'll I'll just be cut, and ripped, and I'll have a six pack underneath this party ball that I've still got going. And, and, you know, it's going to be awesome, you know, I'll, I'll be this cut, ripped, mid 70s guy that is playing like a teenager, you know, so hell yeah, way to go health.
1: Well, that's the one thing we're kind of coming up on is all of the thrash guys are all getting older. And so we're trying to see if they're going to continue on like the Rolling Stones and bands like that, if you can continue to do that. And most of those older bands, the guy that they do end up replacing first is the drummer because you just physically can't do that anymore.
2: I, I hear you, Josh, man, and that's why it's like I I, I have been taking steps for, God, what is has it been since 1986 to be able to keep doing what I'm doing at a, at a high level. I started in an 86, and I really started concentrating in 1988 on being able to do what I'm doing now, back then, being able to prepare for it. All that means is I, I a lot of stretching. A lot of warming up before shows, that kind of thing, and uh, just keeping your your limbs supple, kind of thing. And now that I'm on a on a way better health regimen, then you know it's like I'm excited to be training for dropping jaws at age mid 70s. You know, bring it on, man. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop jaws in the next week or so. You know, mid 50s, man. I got no problem playing high speed hauling double base material for two hours a night, night after night, no problem, man. It's going to be killer. So I'm playing better than I, I, I ever have. I feel better than I ever have. I, I, I you know, I'm, I I look healthier than, than I have ever. So I'm slimmer than I have been since I was, I don't know, age 15. I think I was 15 last time I was down to 230. Oh, wow. So That was forty effing years ago, you know. I'm I'm better off now than I was forty years ago. Hell yeah, man! I'm all about it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think I've dropped twenty pounds in the last few months, and I'm I'm totally feeling myself right now. So,
2: (laughs) So. congratulations! You look great, brother. Absolutely, man. You look fantastic. It's the studio lights, you know. (laughs) Keep on. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, man. Uh, for the ring light man
0: yeah c- a
1: couple of quick questions I'll get you out of here man uh, on the death to all stuff are you are you also going to uh tributize Sean Reinert while you're out there
2: um well I try to tributize Sean even when Sean was with us uh Mr. Sean Reiner you know he is a he was a next level drummer and what he brought to the to the drumming community the metal community. You know, let alone death metal community. You know, it the, the the more extreme side of metal. He raised the bar for for the whole for the whole genre, and that is where I've always wanted to. You know, pay a good homage to Sean's parts. You know, I try to play his parts as 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 best as as I can. You know, and my favorite song to play with death. Eternally has been flattening of emotions. You know that's my favorite song. You know to, oh, yeah. that's my favorite death song. It's my favorite death song to play. So bring that song on every night. And you know we we are adding in historically death and death to all. We we've, we've had the same three numbers that we've played off of human. And uh, this time we're 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 adding in a different song, a song I've never played live with death or death to all ever. And I'm excited for it. I'm ready to bring it on. And and so um, I've always tried to, you know, it, playing Sean is like playing um, like Neil Peart or something. You know, it's like you, you can't half-ass Neil Peart. You can't half-ass Sean Reinhardt either. You know, you have to bring all of your skills to the table if you're going to give a proper rendition of what, what Sean Creatively laid down, you know, and 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 uh, stamina wise, you know, back when he was a 21 year old little just powerhouse, you know, when he recorded when he recorded Human, you know, he's a young dude. That you got to be ready to bring it, you know. So that's why I've always I've always loved playing sean's stuff. Absolutely, I've loved playing Suicide Machine and Lack of Comprehension and Flattening of Emotions and all that. And so now we got another one that we're bringing in. I'm excited to play that one. Absolutely.
1: My first ever concert I went to see was Cannibal Corpse and Cynic on the Focus tour, and I wish I would have known back then what I was seeing, right? Because it was so amazing. Yeah, I got to catch
2: that. One. Yeah, man, that was a great that was a great run. I I saw that one in uh, in. Kyle, was that nineteen ninety four? It might have been. Man, it might have been ninety four. Because I remember. I remember. I remember Dino, when Dino Cazares coming up to me at that show, and he was like, hey, man, I always liked Dark Angel lyrics. And can you write some lyrics for the next Fear Factory album? I was like, sure, man. He's like, the song is called High Tech Hate. Can you come up with something for that? And I was like, sure. Never happened, but I, I distinctly remember that conversation, man. And that was at the Cynic Cannibal Corp show, man. That was, that was a killer show, man. I mean, Cynic was killer. Sean and Paul were killer. I remember they had Jason Goebel as their other guy on that run as well and what a talented band cynic was you know and paul masvidal he's a fantastic guitarist i mean his his playing on the human record was mm, 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 absolutely you know and was cynic of course so oh. absolutely
1: well you brought up fear factory there i do have this written down on the notes here um the industrialist is getting real drums what are your thoughts on that
2: Was that an album that didn't have drums? I will freely admit, man, I haven't really followed... I haven't <laughs> followed what's happened with, 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 with Fear Factory, you know? Like I say, I remember that uh, that conversation I had with Dino kind of a little bit more than I know of what's happening to him, but I know their drummer, Mike Heller, man, he's killer. He's a great drummer, man. I love him with Raven. I got to see him a couple months back ago with Raven. Very talented man, and and so well then good move you know way to go guys you know I, i'm if, if that was an album that was that the one that was after after mine
1: yeah that was the album they did the drum machine and you had some comments about that a while ah, back.
2: okay god dang man that's been a minute man um shh, god, i haven't even thought about that well good for them you know and good for mike then good job man that's a, that's a good thing you know, hey, man, Fear Factory always had a real drummer. They never had Mac Hine as a drummer. So, you know, then better late than never. Um, I Good for them. Absolutely, man. Way to go. Way to go, gentlemen. <laughs> good luck with that. Absolutely.
1: Uh, let's end off with something fun. Um, we're going to do something. Uh, we're going to make you create a band from the decades. So you get a drum... You. 70s 80s 90s 2000s one member from each century or uh, decade
2: kick ass how many piece band do i get to go slipknot size with that well, well not slipknot we'll go four piece all right well let us see from, what do we start with the
1: 70s The 70s and we'll, we'll just encapsulate the entire 2000s because that's just one big uh time period
2: Fair enough. Alrighty. Well then I guess for me. Um can, can we have one drummer and then we slide in the other drummer when the other drummer can't make it for a tour? This is your band. Absolutely. Neil Peart on drums, you know, and then for those shows where Neil couldn't make it, I would absolutely have Mr. Bill Ward, the godfather of all all metallic drumming and you know i mean a lot of people of course would say hey 70s yeah man mr john Bonham." of course you got to give it to Bonham, absolutely however i would go with neil peart just because he was my first true true like favorite drummer that i could grasp you know i i i got into rush before i got into black sabbath and it wasn't until i was a little i wasn't much older you know when i got into sabbath but uh Neil Peart was my guy, and Bill Ward, absolutely. Legend, godfather to us all, absolutely. And so for the 80s, does that mean I would have to pick a guitarist from the 80s? You can pick any other member of the band from the 80s. Okay, next member of the band would be from the 80s. Okay, well then I would go with um, Randy Rhodes on guitar from the 80s. Solid. and Because... Solid. His legacy that he left us with those two, all two brief records with Ozzy was just not enough, man. Talk about getting that, that appetizer of like, oh my God, this tastes so good. Wait, what? There's no more meals left? There's no more flavoring like this anymore? <laughs> oh my God. So just to get more flavors from Mr. Randy Rhodes, absolutely, man. I'd go with Randy from the 80s. Darn tootin'. Then from the 90s. Best bassist in metal, my opinion, absolutely, Mr. Steve DiGiorgio. Oh, yeah. Put Neil Peart or Bill Ward, Randy Rhodes, and Steve DiGiorgio together, my God, what an amalgamation that would be. That would be the tastiest gumbo of all time. Absolutely, man. And then, I guess, on vocals, um, from the 2000s, you got to give it to Mr. Devin Townsend. Absolutely, okay. because the man does everything, and I would go with Dev. Absolutely, because he can do it all. You know, A natural choice, of course, would be Mr. Corey Taylor. There that man go. can do everything on vocals, man. That guy's a great vocalist, too. Um, but Dev, a man after my own heart. So <laughs> there you go. Neil, Slash Bill, Randy, Stevie D, Devin awesome that came together a little easier than i was praying for thank you
1: angels. <laughs> too good man well uh gene hoagland man it's always a pleasure to talk to you and uh good luck out there on the uh, on the death to all tour. thank you josh
2: it's always a pleasure to talk to you and i look forward to the next time brother absolutely man we'll take care and
1: we'll talk to you soon Huge thank you to Gene Hoagland for taking the time. Always go and check out everything Gene is doing. And one of the busiest dudes in metal, I believe he called himself a cockroach of metal. You can't get rid of him. So uh, make sure you are supporting Gene Hoagland and everything he does. And uh, what a cool uh, band he put together there with Neil Peart and uh, and Randy Rhodes and 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 Devin Townsend and Steve, Steve, DiGi- can- DiGi- <laughs> Steve DiGiorgio. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's the one I was, I was looking for there, but yeah, what a cool band. And, uh, Chris and I now will do
0: our, our All bands. Right. So Chris, you want to go first? All right. How do you want to do this? Do you want to list them by year or by instrument or what do you want to do? Yeah,
1: Give me uh yeah, we'll do them by year since kind of the
0: decades thing. So, so who you got from the seventies from the seventies, I'm going Brad Delp from Boston. Okay. He's got a great voice and anybody, <laughs> that, anybody can kill himself with two grills. Okay. In my book. that's the way to do it nice (laughs) so i got him from the 70s on guitar my my guitarist comes from the 80s of course mr dave Mustaine from megadeth okay um from the 90s i'm going for my bass player with fieldy and from the 2000s i'm gonna go with um tim young from divine heresy and morbid angel wow okay fieldy on bass huh well where
1: where did that I, i he's not really known for his Bass uh, talents, man, you know, you're you just kind of know the sound dude. of the t-
0: uh, unique sound of the era. All right. Who else had a sound like that in that era? You know, it's who, funny as had, a, who, who had a unique sound at base in the nineties? That's uh, True. Joshua know, Toomey, me, Rex Brown. <laughs> Stop. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll never give that fucking guy
1: any credit for anything. <laughs> well, it's funny is I didn't pick Dimebag in the nineties because I assumed you were so. So I guess the next time we do this one of us can get Dimebag. Yeah. Uh good good band there. I'm going to uh, I'm going to kind of mix it up and see what see what my band here does. And the uh, one thing about this kind of uh you know assignment is you know you can kind of do whatever you want and the more I looked at it the more so many different weird bands but I think for my initial band right and, and you're going to love this one. From the 70s on bass, Gene Simmons because I uh-huh. think in all honesty, Gene is, is as much as everybody gives him shit for everything he says and how much of everybody just kind of views him as a businessman, if you check out some of those bass lines that he's throwing down, man, really good bass player.
0: If you say so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> on drums from the 80s, Dave Lombardo. I figured, you know, a Gene Hoagland man. episode, we'll get Dave Lombardo on drums. Yeah. So Gene, Dave Lombardo, guitar from the 90s. Wes Borland.
0: All right. That's fair.
1: And then my singer from the 2000s, Howard
0: Jones. Of so. course. Of course. <laughs> That's my dude, man. That's my. Favorite. That was a no-brainer there. Right? Yeah, I thought of twisting it up and going from the 2000s with Tommy Vex just to kind of offshoot your Howard Jones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Too funny. But yeah, man. So in the comments section, yeah. I want to see what your 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s band will be. And uh, you can have fun with it, play with it, man. My, I, I think it would be fun to just kind of see Gene Simmons and in in Wes
0: Borland in the same room with oh. Lombardo, trying to make music together. All right. I would like to see us just keep doing this every week and see how degraded these bands get after a while. Yeah, because right now, too. right now it's right now it's kind of fun, but before long it'll be like, well, on singer I've got Danzig from the eighties <laughs> and uh, I don't know who who's a terrible drummer from like any other era. I don't know. <laughs> you know, <Okay. laughs> I could just see that though. I could just see we'll, we'll, have some really bad bands, Ricky rocket. will make an appearance at some okay. point.
1: All right. On drums, I'm going to get Dr. Chud, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the, the, so this will be fun, man. Yeah. So in the comments, make sure to go and give me your, uh, your decades band. I guess we'll call this section.
0: Yes, sir. Yeah. All right, man. Give me uh, recommendations for the week. Um, to both TV. um, Pussy Valley debuted season two on, um, stars and wow. What a start. Oh my God. (laughs) What a start that was. And then also debuting, um, on Amazon prime, the boys season three. And that show is as gruesome as ever. So I love it. They're just, they're just blowing heads up left and right. I love it just v- vulgar dirty. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I saw
1: your post. You're like, I would have never even thought of that. So um, that's gotta be, uh, out there. If, if you hadn't thought of, uh, whatever the kills were or whatnot.
0: Oh yeah. It definitely is, is some harsh stuff. I'll tell you off the air.
1: <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, my TV recommendation, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, Good, one. I asked you to watch it, but it was it, man. That episode three were you know, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. It's at the end of the show. Um, fucking Darth Vader coming out, yeah. uh, show, you know, fucking just killing people walking down the street, you know, and then and then uh, you know, f- basically uh, force choking Obi Wan and then mushing him into fire. I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is violent and amazing.
0: Yeah, I loved it. The only thing I didn't like about it, and, and this is a small thing, I'm, I'm with you, I'm I'm a hundred percent sold on the on the series and I'm going to watch till the end, no matter what now. Yeah. I don't like that. Obi-Wan is such a pussy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he
1: really is soft. Well, he's broken down, man. He, you know, he trained a Jedi that turned into be one of the worst people ever. So
0: yeah, but he was broken down later in the series too, when he brought Luke back and wasn't that soft. He was still able to take out the Tusken Raiders and stuff. I don't think this Obi-Wan, so Obi-Wan can't control fucking 10 year old Leia.
1: Well, he's coming back. He'll, he'll be back by the end of the, uh, the season there.
0: I also, uh, but I love it. I do love it.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm uh, like, I've always said, I've never been the biggest star Wars fan because I'm not John Drake or any of right. those types, you know, sure. and it's, and I'm a fan of star Wars and I've watched everything, but I'm not mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, that thing that's sitting on the shelf in yes. the background is really from rebels cartoons. And, you know, right. Like, I would like to be like that, but I just don't, Mm -hmm. I I just didn't grow up watching star. Like I am the, I, that's my type of fan. Like I'm right. When I'm into something, I'm into it. You know, I can tell you ridiculous Titans that were on the 2004 team and you know, who's on a practice squad that year. Like that's the type of fan that I like to be. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to star Wars, I really enjoy it, but I know there's so much I'm Mm -hmm. not catching right away. So there's a couple of podcasts that I'll go like, obviously nerf herder council, um uh um, thank the maker which is adam russell from story of the year and a couple of those dudes podcasts that i mean they break these things down right like to like some crazy stuff and then the one thing about think the maker is they've all watched rebels and all the cartoons and they'd be like oh dude this dude was from that and that and they'll just they'll they'll break it down so much where you're like damn i didn't did i even watch the show
0: right i know but don't you feel sometimes when you hear all that that it's like all right you're kind of ruining it just leave it a little loose you know it's like what was i forget what i was watching i was watching some video and they were talking about how um this new kenobi is not accurate because in the video in episode four with help me obi-wan you know that the original video out of r2 there was something to the effect of her saying that she served or that Obi Wan had served with her father, yeah. And now they're trying to play that he, that they're friends. And and these people, these guys, were arguing this point like he wasn't really her friend. This is bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, right. is it that that <laughs> important? Yes, it is. You know, it's like, come on, just enjoy the movie.
1: And then, uh, yeah. But great, go check it out if if you're a fan of the Star Wars stuff. And the other thing I love about these shows is. Like the you you would think a Darth Vader show would be the show, but it's Obi Wan Kenobi with the secondary character of Darth Vader, and the Mandalorian and Boba Fett secondary character Luke fucking Skywalker. (laughs) You know, like you would think that there would be a Leia show and a and a Luke show and a Han. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess there's a Han movie, but you know what I'm saying? Like they, they they're they're using these classic gigantic characters as like you know secondary characters in in a story arc. It's
0: crazy. Yeah, well. It's be they have to kind of because none of the new characters that they created caught any caught any interest. True, you know, there's nobody clamoring for that big Jar Jar Binks movie, is there, John Drake? Yeah, other than John. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but my uh, my musical recommendation for the week: the new Memphis May Fire album finally came out today as right. we record. Uh, remade in misery, craziest thing. They released nine singles before this album came out. Wow. How many songs do you think are on this album? Ten. Eleven. <laughs> and what's crazy is the two songs that they didn't release right. are um, you know, like two of my favorite songs on the album. Nice. The song Misery itself is is I'm like, this was a jam. Like, why didn't they release that, man? So yeah, nine. So it's it's kind of um this is one of the first times I've ever listened to the day of the album came out. I didn't have an advanced copy of this Uh, day Mm -hmm. of album came out, but I sang every word to it because nine of the 11 songs are already out. But (laughs) yeah, they, uh, they, you know, they've been kind of releasing this over the last year or so. And now that it's out, man, it's definitely, uh, they definitely, you know, they did it again. The boys did it again.
0: Well, I'll have to listen to those two songs that I haven't heard.
1: (laughs) too good too good so so yeah those are the recommendations go check out gene hoagland on tour coming to a town near you in many many forms and different bands things like that but uh but yeah i think that's been another episode of talk to me that's it we're (laughs) donezo so for the talk to me podcast i'm joshua toomey i am chris Egan, and we will talk to you soon
0: see ya the talk to me podcast presented by not follow the show at talk to me talk be sure to subscribe rate the podcast and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the talk to me podcast